What's up, dude? How you doing? Good to see you. Dude, I bought some beer too. Really? Oh, dude, they're about to see this time. Oh, yeah, dude, why not? What's up, dude? I know, I passed it. I passed it and then I turned. I found another parking spot. I know, I saw that. I was like, oh, bummer. Prime real estate. Stop wasting my time. You said you were at the fair when you called me. I'm Adrian Huerta. For this episode of On the Inside Looking In, we're in Los Angeles, California with artist and DJ Eduardo Gomez. Problem solving to creatively express an idea is a mastery Eduardo has attained. Growing up in Long Beach, California, being a first generation immigrant, and having a passion for music manifests through his work. We start in the dining area of his West Adams apartment, surrounded by his previous artworks and a box of beer. Hey, thanks for letting me come to your pad, dude, and uh, hang out. And Dude, thanks for talking to me. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for asking. Yeah, man. Um, I come bearing gifts. I bring you a box of beer because, you know, I'm a Texas guy. I brought you some shiners. All right. But I heard that you like flavor in your beer. Sometimes. And Shiner has a lemon pilsner, hmm. and I haven't tried it yet, and so I kind of figured we might buy some of those. We got a cherry, tree spirit, and then a Larry's latest, fruit night, uh, and then a strawberry lager. So I'm gonna pop up with this Shiner, this lemon pilsner. I have a glass here, so I can see yeah. Strawberry. This is Are you a strawberry guy? Did I do okay? Um, I like the strawberry blonde. Okay. From Belmont Brewing Company. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one, the one in Long Beach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, you're a Long Beach guy. Yeah. Now, do you like it specifically because you're from Long Beach? Or do no, you just like it because you got and it? And I don't like flavored, like normally flavored beers. Okay, cool. So but I did no, bad. No. No, no, so no. I did terrible. Awesome. Thanks, dog. <laughs> Good. Hey, you can have the shiners then. <laughs> there you go. No, but, I, but when, you, when you said flavored beer, I was like, well, that's kind of... Cool, like I get to try some that I've never had. So mm -hmm. I'm like, this sounds really good. Who knows? You, you might like something. That I'm, sure like some. I'm sure I'll like some. I'm sure I'll like some. It's beer. So yes, whatever. It is beer. But yeah, man. So, dude, this is this is trippy though. I, I like coming to your pad because you have a lot of decoration that's yours. Like you specifically yes, decorate your pad. Um, you, I mean, you have everything. You have uh, you have neon lights. You have sculpture. You have drawings. You have paintings. Uh, some highlighted more than others. Now, the way you decorate your pad. Do you have favorites? A lot of the stuff that's up is stuff that I've had in shows that I already have framed. I need a place to stash them, so I, I was like, I gotta leave them out, you know? Yes. I can't just, like, where would I put this plane, like in my garage? No way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. I love this sculpture. Um, it's uh, it's licensed to Ill, uh, Beastie Boys cover in 3D. Right? Yes. It's a sculpture, straight up. But uh, every time I come to your house, the lights are off. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and they're on now. Like, they're blinking. It looks like a plane is literally flying in your wall. I finally got them working. That sculpture is based off of, like, the first album I remember ever listening to or being into as a kid. Wow. I was six years old. Yeah. So, yeah. License Sale is, like, a very, very important record for me yeah. in my life. Yeah. Well, I noticed that a lot of your art is, is album-based. You know, your background is fine art. Your bachelor's yes. is in fine art from Cal State Long Beach, correct? Yes. And then your master's is from CCA, so California, California College of Arts. Yeah. Yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. Um, and this was definitely like a very ambitious piece, but I, you know, rolled up my sleeves and and and, and put in the work. It looks like it's. I mean, I see some of the metallic colors, 
Um, I obviously see the LED lights, but it's also crashed into the wall. Um, I, I don't imagine that it's heavy, right? As metallic as it looks. No. What is this made of and what makes it easily available to put on the wall? It's, it's all made of cardboard and paper. Um, uh, paper mache, basically. You know, glue, watered down glue, just brushing it on, building up layers. Um, it sounds like it's, is that like piñata? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty much a, a, you know, a big piñata, just <laughs> without the tissue paper. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, it's just all the layering, just, uh, you know, cardboard and paper is pretty easy to manipulate with, you know, with, with water or glue to where you can shape it in so many different forms. Like all those crashed areas that look like a, you know, put out cigarette. Mm -hmm. um, those were all just pretty much sheets of this cardboard paper that I just so, dampened. I, I soaked oh. in glue and I just kind of pushed it together. Really? Creased it all wow. together. Bunched it. I scrunched it onto the, the cone, mm -hmm. you know, body of yeah. the plane. And then after that, pretty much just priming it up. Yeah. Uh, airbrushing, painting. You know, trying to get all the little details. Um, the lights were already working yeah. prior to any of the paint, but tried to bring this album cover, which is 2D, into just like into life, kind of. Just I, into I, I think you did an amazing job, dude. It's it's trippy. It's huge too. It's like maybe two and a half feet long, like two three, feet long, right? Yeah, yeah. Is there anything inside of it? The, yeah, the wiring, and uh, that's pretty <laughs> much it. Just the wiring. And uh, at the end of it, the exhaust is actually part of a muffler. I just went to AutoZone, oh. and I saw these mufflers, and I was like, well, this one, this one looks about the size. Yeah. And I came home, and it just slid right in, like, perfect? Yeah. Damn. It was a trip. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, so you made the cone first, and you needed something to kind yeah, of... Yeah, I needed a, that, oh. the part of the plane, Dude, that's the sick. engine in the back. Yeah. And then the engines are actually made of rolls of toilet paper. Hell yeah. Dude, wow. A muffler toilet paper. But... It all just meshes so well together. Dude, I mean, so you got to do what you got to do to make those shapes. You yeah, know? man. And then this actually premiered where? It premiered at Espacio 1839 uh, in uh, Boyle Heights. It, you see this iconic album that you, yeah. is musically phenomenal. Yes. Right? Oh, man. Definitely historic in the yeah. realm of hip-hop. Yeah. First all-white group. To break into hip-hop and rap, I mean, you had to come with it and you had to be good to yeah. make it and be accepted into hip-hop. Yeah, if you're going to pop out and you're going to be, you know, in a predominantly, you know, African-American art form. Yes. And you want to be white, you had to pop out and to do it in 86. Like, yes. You know, you're was, crossing. It, it was revolutionary. It really was. They were the first. Uh, you're Mexicano, Chicano. Yes. Mexican-American. Yep. Right? Uh, how do you? I'm a Mexicano. Mexicano? <laughs> <laughs> How does that work? I'm a first-generation Mexican-American. Grew up with all Mexican customs, traditions, mm -hmm. foods, you know. Um, for most of my life, I've considered myself Mexican because, I mean, that's what I grew up with, you know, just on this side of the fence, the yeah. wall. Yeah. But I guess this, this sculpture kind of embodies that, don't you think? Well, I mean, it's American music with, like, a Mexican uh, celebration. I mean, yeah, I think the Mexican part of it is just kind of based on the process that I use. But, I mean, I, I totally could see the parallel there. And, it, it, you know, I don't know. Maybe that, that was something I do remember, you know, seeing the way piñatas were made growing up from all these broken ones that I would run to. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's one of those kind of materials you use early on as a kid. Like, you know, doing the Easter eggs or 
you know, yeah, the paper mache balloons. on top of yeah, yeah. You, you blow up a balloon, yeah. put glue and start paper mache, then you yeah. pop the balloon and then you have yeah. a sculpture around yeah. form. So, yeah. you know, a lot of it, it's a little bit of everything, I guess. Now, this isn't the first sculpture we've talked about. Like, no. you've done another sculpture <laughs> that um, was implemented in, a, in another uh, show in East LA. In Boyle oh. Heights again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. The, uh, you're talking about the Pendleton? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. The one that got robbed. Yeah, man, that's messed up, dude. You know what? I, it's, I thought it was super flattering, actually. Okay. Like Same. someone wanted it that bad that they had to like literally steal it from wherever it was. I mean, for people that didn't get to see it, what, what is it made of? What was it? It was a, a, a flannel Pendleton, a very, I guess, cultural gang uh, shirt. Mm -hmm. Raiders colors, you know. Uh, and it was, it, it, was, it was a shirt made out of canvas. So I just, you know, airbrushed the shirt made out of canvas and just folded it all together. Yeah. And, you know, it looks like a, it looked like a legit shirt. Yeah. I, I, I remember I did a piece on it. Well, I mean, it was a legit shirt. I had someone, I paid someone to make that shirt for me. Really? Out of canvas. Yeah. Wow. What do you mean you made, you paid somebody to make it? Like the shirt that you modeled yeah. it off of? Yeah. So I had the oh. idea. I don't know how to make a shirt. So okay. I had to do what I had to do. Okay. You hire someone, you pay them, and they would, like, it was a coworker that I uh, went to, she went to Academy of Art. Okay. For fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. she oh. had all those kinds of projects all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, So yeah. she basically yeah. made it for one of her projects, but I paid her for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, then, it's no different than, yeah. you know, other aspects of art. Yeah. Like, you, you know, oh, can you fabricate this yeah, of for course. me to do, you know. I mean, come on. Huh? The biggest artists are not there. With a chisel and a hammer. Yeah, by themselves you know? all. Yeah. yeah, Murakami is not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of the concept idea. I mean, yeah. that's... But then also you know, the painting, which is probably the hardest part, to make it look like something it's not. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I remember when I, when I did the piece and I interviewed you, I was surprised at the idea that it was not a real shirt. Yeah, it's a sculpture. It's a painting. You could argue it's a painting because it's on canvas. It and is. It is painted. It is. So, it's, you know, it's kind of a... Two in one. Yeah. Now, again, why did you do that one? And for for what show was it? And um, it was for the East Side Story It was project. like a fundraiser, right? Yeah. It was like so, to help raise money to get the documentary yeah. going, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm the one that reached out and said I wanted to participate in it. I think it was, you know, part of a culture that I was very familiar with growing up as a kid. Um, so I always loved those compilations, even as a little kid growing yeah. up, and, yeah, yeah. you know, Always, always listening to oldies, and uh, it's something that should be talked about or yeah. made relevant because it's yeah. it's. But that's you growing up, like you, you kind of grow up with it, and then there's these new kids, right? Because those albums are old. Yes. Um, those albums are very old, but now there's newer people trying to bring up the subject, like the East Side Story Project that mm -hmm. wants to do the documentary mm -hmm. to bring up the covers and how they got made. But you yourself curate stuff too. Yeah, 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 I do. Um, you but know. we're not playing, though. Like, we're not playing. Like, I get really excited when, you know, cool, this is a really cool playlist. But then you actually look like, you look at the the outreach that it has with the number of plays that you have on SoundCloud. Oh, yeah. Dude, it's that crazy. is insane. People so. listen to those. I mean, people love the music. And it's kind of, like, interesting to see that, yeah, to make a documentary and, and like, hear the backstory of all this music and the history is, like, really really um exciting you're a music curator like you're a dj 
Yes. Um, you are one third of Metraleta de Oro, mm-hmm. uh, known as DJ Fondo. Yes. Um, you have DJ nights with the guys with uh, with Diego and Sumo. Um, Dinamita every third Fridays, right in Lincoln Heights. Yes. At the office, but then you also do offset stuff by yourself as Fondo. Dude, how did you? How'd you get? How'd you get your name? This doesn't have to make the the podcast. Oh, Fondo. Yeah. Oh, I want to know this shit. Um, <laughs> Fondo. It has different meanings. Yeah. Right? What is, well, okay. So when you look up Fondo, there's different meanings. Yeah. Uh, there's depth. There's money. Mm-hmm. Like Fondo, like Fondos. Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. And then it's always it's also like a figure of speech background but that's fine i don't mind being in the background okay <laughs> but what 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 form what, but what uh which fondo, form of fondo do you use and why there's this figure of speech that i <laughs> that people say no that was i guess or just like describing as al fondo like i always that always stood out to me as a kid like no yes that's al fondo like i don't know it always stood out and but i kind of like the way the name looks spelled as well okay yeah, like yeah. i like the letters in it okay like f just how it looks aesthetically, yeah. kind of. So yeah. that you just straight up draw it out. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, right I just like the way it looks spelled out. You know, all caps. Or you can add a dollar sign at the end of it. And it'll be fondo. Because <laughs> <laughs> fondo is one money wise. Un fondo is like one mm-hmm. fund. So like I mean I am one. Mm-hmm. So fondo, but okay. fondos is like more like baller. Like okay. Fondos. <laughs> I almost think that this might be a password to something that you have. It might be. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask me what my Wi-Fi password is. <laughs> oh, your artistry doesn't just come with like appreciating music like that. It's also sharing it as well. Yeah, right? sharing music. Um, life for me is all about, always has been about music and art. So those are still very, very two prominent things in my life that I don't ever see not being a part of my life. It always has been. I feel comfortable around it. Uh, it makes me feel like, I'm home or just like, I just feel this comfort, like doing these things. Like, I mean, listening to music every day is very, very soothing. It's very relaxing. Uh, Making art is very therapeutic. It's very, so, you know, those two things have, I've always, have always made me feel good. So those are two things that I continue to do. And I mean, you, you kind of sort of show support to the music by creating art, by drawing, coloring, uh, you know. Uh, and making sculptures yeah and it's just like my love of music has inspired my art you know and kind of vice versa you know with DJing and kind of finding a way to like interesting ways to mix one song into another or a lot of it is problem solving really what do you mean by problem solving like you have this idea right like this BC Boys the plane Mm -hmm. like I wanted to make something to represent or celebrate that and I had to find a way a creative way to kind of translate the 2D to the 3D. So I had to think, like, think it through to see if I could actually do it or how else I was going to kind of commemorate this important record in my life. So that was the way I did it. That's right. Where's the artistry in curating playlists and mixing music and sharing it with other people? I think it's the, the challenge of doing it live. It's almost like a performance. Like, you, you know, you want to be on point. You want to come correct and make sure all your levels are good just it's kind of the same thing it's finding creative ways like to problem solve certain kind of uh in djing situations or moments you know are you trying to get people to feel a certain way um Uh, yeah i mean depends on where you dj and what the vibe is but mm -hmm. definitely i mean like djing like let's say dinamita where people like dance and the pressure is there to keep them dancing so you're vibing off the people 
right? Yes. Like you're, you're kind certain, of... Certain places, yeah. yeah. Depends on the, like I said, the, the night, the vibe, yeah. you know. Definitely like a certain sense of reciprocity, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. To where, you know, they vibe off of what you're playing and then you're vibing off them dancing or how into the music that you're, or what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know, that. So then when you do curate this, like I notice that you, you have a ton of records in your house, if you don't mind me describing what I see. Describe what you see. Yeah, so there's a little, you know, we're in West Adams in Los Angeles and you have this, what kind of, what kind of architecture do you think this, this has? Because this is This all, almost has like a craftsman style. Yeah, because it's a deep, it's a deep room that you walk into. Mm-hmm. So it goes living room into um, the dining, the dining area, but they're almost the same size and there's a huge open space to walk in. But then also there's a little cubby yes. that has, I see two decks. I see a ton of shelves with records in them um, and a lot of you know, memorabilia, some of your art. Um, I remember this poster that you jacked. The oh, yeah. The yellow one, dude, yeah. Elvis Crespo. That, yeah, <laughs> that short. was when we were at the Union. Yeah, 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 down the street. Yeah, after, yeah. yeah. Um, can you, do you mind if we talk about the, this painting that's on your wall right here? No. This one right here, right out the, <clears throat> the restroom? This is one of the first paintings I did when I was in grad school um, at CCA. I was living in San Francisco. I had just moved out there. I didn't really know a lot of people. Still learning the city. I was doing a lot of... I came out of undergrad doing a lot of work based on, like... Uh, immigrant like day laborers okay so i was doing a lot of work based on that so when i got to grad school kind of like those ideas were kind of still there so i took the time to actually get to know uh, a few that i met that used to wait out at a u-haul right out next to the grad facilities okay at cca i parked kind of by them one time and i just started talking yeah like just greeted them or something and then the next time like if i saw them i just slowly kind of build a relationship with them and started talking to them mm-hmm. and I, I i was doing these interviews with them um and what i was doing is i was taking all the answers to all these questions and creating paintings based on the interview with letters but the actual letters were all going to be like a portrait of them okay oh gotcha. so almost like a pixels but each pixel had a letter oh so but it was telling you their story so but it was concealing their identity at the same time so you knew everything about these people but you couldn't see who they were that's amazing dude that's trippy so they were telling you their whole story so i was literally painting each little letter how big were the letters colors they were like they were probably about an inch by an inch okay or no maybe a Maybe two inches by two inches. Okay. So they were okay size, but it was like, I had to paint yeah, each pixels. one, dude. And mix colors. Yeah. That was taking too long. <laughs> <laughs> I found other ways to kind of um, abstract them or them, like abstract them, their faces. Them, their faces. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I started just drawing them with my left hand. So that's naturally. why you started drawing with your left that's hand? That's why I first started drawing oh. with my left hand. So I started drawing with my left hand so I can kind of distort their face and figure a little bit because it wasn't all rendered so i did this portrait of el yuca left-handed painting that's the first one and it was it was interesting because i wasn't sure like how they were gonna take it like me hey i want to know all this about some random kid looking for info on stuff but you know i told them that i was going to art school and you know i had to make this yeah i did a lot of work based on kind of like their situation because i mean let's be real i mean they were you know out there looking for work and they understood and they were they were super cool they were open like nice. it, it was very nice to kind of like build this relationship and that's a hard part of, of like helping 
document people and do a project like that mm -hmm. is like you have to gain trust. I had to ask them if I could take their photograph. Yeah. And that is Well, that's like, what I was going to ask you. Is this from memory or is this from like, no, yeah. No, I asked if I could take their photograph. So what I was doing is I was pixelating their portraits, but I told them that I was never going to like really show their face. Dang. Do you still, yeah, is there any way to keep in touch with them? Is he? Nah. When was the last time you saw him? I don't know. Probably outside of CCA. Wow. I'm, I have some other drawings of others that I met. So I, I kind of drew like a group that would always, that I would always see mm -hmm. and got to know. And now this isn't normally a group of people that would normally get remembered, right? N no, no. I mean, you know, who knows? Yeah. I mean, Yuka could be CEO of some big company, you know, whatever yeah. right now. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And you know, what's interesting is that this work feels more relevant than it ever has in the last like 10 years that I've had it. Did you ever get to show this to them? Did they ever get to see this? Um, well, this was when I was still just getting started there. So I never really had a show based on all this. Okay. This was just kind of work that carried over from undergrad, you know, and then I just started, I started making this, I had to work on my grad show. So then I started Coco. It's oversized. Like if this was in real life, he would be like yeah, eight and a half that, feet tall. That's still distorting it, the yeah. scale. Like yeah, you're exactly. walking up to it, it's like. When you're standing in front of it, it's like literally three right, times the size of your right. head. But maybe like 3.5 times. Yeah. And it's his bust only. Looking straight at you. Yeah, man. As soon as you walk out of my bathroom. Yeah, I know. You do want it. Dude. All right. Time for another beer. Let's get another <laughs> yes. beer. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> dude, <laughs> that's what awesome. What were you doing in there? Yeah. What, yeah, dude. I feel <laughs> guilty every time I go. It's like, mm hmm So I had this Shiner Lime. It was all right. I'm going to try this Shiner Bach. I don't think I've ever had this. I've seen it. I've never had a Shiner Bach. I don't think so. Oh my God. I don't know. Just one of those that that's, slipped through the cracks. That's a place just outside of San Antonio. That's huge in Austin and everywhere in San Antonio. Nice. So every time no, I I've see seen it, it, I know the name. I just yeah. never had it. You went to school. You went to go get a <clears throat> master's and stuff. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you think education was one of the best things that you could have invested in? I, it has its pros. Grad school is really about, obviously, taking your interests to the next level academically. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, there's a lot that comes with it. I mean, there's obviously school debt. Um, mm -hmm. But there's also, like, this network that you kind of build. It kind of teaches you the business side of art. So you're, you're, you're learning about, you know, websites. And yeah. you're learning about, Branding, you know, resumes, all yeah. that, yeah. all that. And it's good because it prepares you for the real world. I mean, you, once you're out of school, you're on your own. You have to hustle. You have to do. No one's there to kind of babysit you yeah. you know yeah. um so they they prepare you for the real world i mean you you are educa educationally um accomplished i mean to get your master's is such a big deal man i mean um, it's like i mean now that's like the new bachelor's though because the bachelor's they're saying that that doesn't mean anything these days and that, i mean that was nine years ago going on nine years i mean that's definitely changed over the yeah. years but i mean i think it's still it's important more for also, I think, for your work, just to kind of see how serious you, how seriously you want to take it and push your ideas yeah. and kind of experiment more. Yeah. It's like two years to kind of just do whatever you want, where undergrad is more, you know, you have projects to do. So that, wouldn't you say that that kind of makes you do things that you wouldn't normally do? Like if you take a certain class that you don't have uh, any skills or right. and like it makes you do, the, like say you didn't do photography, you take a course... 
it makes you get into that realm and put yes. that out. Yes. Right? Oh man. I mean, yeah. that's. I mean, that's why I've done sculpture. I've done painting, drawing, printmaking. So, so when ceramics, you ceramics, photography, yeah. I've taken all that. All of that. Yeah. So then, when you were in Long Beach, and you did fine art, is there anything that you didn't get to do there that you did in your masters that made you kind um, of? No, it, it kind of. I did everything before grad school, and then in grad school, I just got to utilize oh, all my different gotcha. skills gotcha. that I learned. Okay. You know? Undergrad was okay. I'm focusing on drawing and painting, but all my electives I'm taking are going to be everything. Yeah. So I'm taking, like I said, ceramics, printmaking, and printmaking. I took almost everything. I'm okay. almost pretty much minored in it. Really? I took silk screening, etching, cool. lithography. Uh, did I say woodcuts or lino? No. Lino cuts etching, um, all these different kind of mediums to just kind of do different kind of prints. Yeah. So you do a lot of, you had the ability of yeah. mixing them together now, right? So then let that take us to what's in there. Let's okay. go talk about that. Those are some drawings. <laughs> On your Eames chair? Yeah, that's not an Eames. That's an Eames replica. I can't afford a real Eames. Okay, fair enough. So what's all this, dude? Like, it's just a bunch of... It looks like a bunch of papers wrapped up, right? Posters and things like that. Just different drawings, posters that I've done. Uh, this is the Dinamita one. That's like on the gold poster board. Straight That's up. left-handed. This is all left-handed? Yeah, these are all left-handed. So why do you carry on the, the left-handed thing? Like you're not trying to hide an identity now? No. Um, I just think it's, it's more kind of liberating. Where if I draw with my right hand... I know my the right, my right hand so well that I'll start rendering, mm. like in school. Yeah, and I don't want to do that. Got it. It's not fun. It's a lot of work. Like just, it's just too much. I'm not trying to copy something that much. This way, I'm kind of still abstracting naturally. Yeah, and I'm also like kind of incorporating the the right side of my brain, which mm -hmm. is the creative side. Nurturing. Yeah. Okay. So it's just kind of. It makes me draw and like just whatever comes out, comes out kind of just no boundaries. Yeah. Like whatever goes, goes. Yeah. It's the complete opposite of what you learn in school. And, you know, school, it's fun, but it's like you don't want to be in school your whole life. No. So you have to find different ways to, you know, kind of work or make something like a little more interesting or mm -hmm. have more feeling or crudeness. This silk screen. I saw you making these on, on Instagram. This is your boy, Salvador. Yep, Salvador y el Unicornio. I've had the pleasure of meeting him, and that looks exactly like him. That's him. Dude, that's it. You designed this and everything? Yeah, well, I mean, I told him to send me a, like a, some photos to okay. kind of reference or kind of get an idea, because we know we wanted to use his face. Um, so I kind of went through him, and I picked one I liked and that I felt I could kind of work yeah. something into. Yeah. So I blew that up, and then I started just drawing onto the side of his head, where mm -hmm. it's all black, just with like a whiteout pen mm -hmm. so just started kind of sketching oh. letters and then eventually i i made one that i liked and mm -hmm. just burned a screen a couple wow. screens and you know threw it in photoshop and kind of arranged it mm -hmm. added some other little details and yeah. just burned the screen and printed them so then what what material is this this is paper and a silk screen how many layers is that it's two so just a black and then just a flesh oh tone. his skin got it yeah this one came out really cool because on this, the brown that's this, tight this was on the the back of the sketch pad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> we, you know, we just, awesome. you gotta, when you're printmaking or screen printing, mm -hmm. you have to do a lot of different runs until yeah, yeah. you get it going where you want it. 
and then that's when you print the actual paper. Okay. So this was one of the ones either that was left over, one of the early ones. That's a good accident, but, huh? Yeah, this is a good Dude, that color profile, everything, yeah. that all makes it so well. Me and Diego kept one of these. <laughs> oh, Tony Gwynn. <laughs> so this was based on a series of uh, uh, what I call them e-siders from Long Beach. Um, oh, yeah, dude. So Tony Gwynn actually went to Long Beach Poly, which is my home high school. Okay. Um, I didn't go there because my parents didn't want me going there at the okay. time because it was really, really bad school. Okay. Um, so they shipped me off to school at Lakewood. This is, you know, someone that pretty much was from Long Beach. Yeah, that made it. And boy, did he make it, dude. What a batter. Oh, he's dude, one of the greatest. Killer. One of the greatest. Dude, all that detail from tops to even like the copyright of their logo. Yeah, so all that's, tiny. A le- that's a left-handed one. Left-handed pencil with watercolor? That's so sick. Thanks, so. Oh, this is Billie Jean King. Oh, dude. I didn't even know she went to Long Beach Poly until I researched it. Oh, dude, that's a Wimbledon, too. Left-handed. Yeah. Watercolor pencils. Watercolor and graphite, yeah. You done with Shiner Bach? Yeah, dude, I like dude, this. Dude, hot the Long Beach boy about Shiner. Let's go. <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend, dude. Which one? This dude. Oh, Fernando? Yeah, man. Oh, man. Is that left-handed, too? Yes, it is. That's the early ones, too. Okay. Fernando. I mean, yeah. At the time, especially in the 80s at that time, with like those huge waves of Mexican immigration, I mean, obviously still to this day, not as much (laughs) or as big numbers. But at the time, it was like, you know, someone that all, like my dad, looked to to and and became a fan like of the Dodgers. So I grew up liking the Dodgers because of that. Yeah. So then, so this is left-handed, but you made this, but you also have like other ones of Fernando, right? Yeah. There's like other pieces that you've created. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any any connection between that and like, you know, being Mexicano, being here in LA, being from Long Beach? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely this idea of like there being a Mexican immigrant in the spotlight in a big city with a bunch of other Mexicans, you know, and he's on cereal boxes, he's on, you know, he's everywhere. Yeah. You sometimes would think or question that maybe, you know, at some point he was exploited. You question it just because it's like how many other Mexican immigrants living in Los Angeles, living with a bunch of other Mexicans, get exploited. Yeah. So there's always that question, and that's kind of like why I kind of chose Fernando. Do you ever? My interest, because, I mean, I really, you know, I kind of related to Fernando. Mm -hmm. He was a a hero to us growing up. You know, he played in San Antonio. San, San Antonio used to be the double A team. They used to have oh, which the one? San Antonio Albuquerque? Dodgers. The, the, no, oh, they used okay. to be the San Antonio Dodgers. Oh, that's the Albuquerque Dukes. No. Yes, that, another one. That was after San Antonio, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, Oral played on that team. LaDuca played it for the San Antonio Dodgers. Sotafern, Fernando was one of them. Before he burst onto the scene. Yeah, man. He went through that's San awesome. Antonio, right? Think about the... the the connection that you probably had or your community even well yeah well i mean we used to go to vj key field which was two blocks it was on on the the campus of saint mary's university Mm -hmm. they basically used their um their baseball facility to have the san antonio dodgers play um and eventually the san antonio missions and we grew up two blocks from there you know but fernando mania was a little too early but i remember for me but like do you know there's fernando valenzuela records no you have them? I have some. Dude. That I've come across. What are they? They're what like you... songs in of honor. Of Fernando? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Dang, that reaches, Fernando We have to reaches... listen to that. Right yeah, we right do. Right yeah, I we will do. play for you. Yeah, we do. Quick question, though. But that's how big of a star he was. Like, they were putting out records about Fernando. Like, that's big. Do you think, I mean, for a lot of people that don't know, 
there's a background that involves Dodger Stadium, the property, yes. them moving to LA. The process of getting that property yes. involved a very, very... Evicting people. Yes. And the the use of eminent domain. Yeah. Like, if you didn't fall for the they lie... They drag those people out of their homes. Yeah. There's a backstory that involves Dodger Stadium and, and, and creating that, that free property for the group. Yeah. They evicted a lot of Chicanos, a lot of Mexicanos, yeah. of Jewish people, oh. everybody that lived on that hill. I read and researched all that yes. uh, when I was in school. Yeah. Um, do you think this was the Dodgers' way of kind of regaining that, that trust? Yeah. Um, I think, Hiding? I mean, I, I think it definitely didn't hurt it, you know? Like having, it benefited the Dodgers having a player like Fernando on the team, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of people that, Aside from winning games, from yeah. being as good yeah, as it was. Hey, for people that are baseball fans, like, they'll forgive real quick. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, people are that die hard, you know, Dodger fans, especially out here that are Latinos. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, man, I mean, that's a, that's a tough one. He won the people over. The Dodgers just benefited from it yes. financially. Yeah, I think his connection with the people was very genuine. The dude resonated with a ton of people here because there's a lot of people that were like that. They came from Mexico trying to find places, trying to find their spots, grind it out and make it. Some people make it. This dude made it and owned it. See, here's the thing awesome. about sports. It's like you have all these anti-immigrant people, you know, but who love their Red Sox, but who love their Cowboys or whatever team they root for. And those dudes are... Immigrants, too, the yeah. people on the team. Well, you look at the cultures that are embedded with them. Like, you think Boston Red Sox, you think, what, a lot of Irish? Like, a lot of... Community. Yeah, yeah, there's, like, a lot of that stuff there. You think down here. It's, it's closer to the European yes. side of the country. Yes. I guess, geographically. I mean, it is, but sports kind of transcends that because people don't care if their team's winning games based on these immigrant players. Oh, they're all about them. Yeah. But as soon as, you know, it's someone that they're singling out on the news or yeah. you know this whole wall thing mm -hmm. and like you know everything that's going on right now as soon as they're not on the team anymore they forget real quick mm -hmm. people forget that's a problem yeah. that's a problem with america because america is like yes this is great melting pot right all these races coming together and being here mm -hmm. and it's you know this great country but it also like people slowly i i think lose their culture and their identity mm -hmm. after so many generations being here. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem with racism is that people forget that they were once immigrants too. Yeah, man. Generations deep. You're talking about how many generations I mean, there? you know, migration and people to, forget. This, to, to this land started, you know, the 1400s, 1500s. There were people here before. They get moved out. People go through. I even did my homework on the, the like, on the Alamo just because I like that idea mm -hmm. of, like, Texas was its own little solito property. Yeah. It wasn't a state yet, but it also kind of sort of started pulling away from being Mexican. Mm -hmm. You know, they were fighting for their own independence and it started with the migration of people from America. So I guess they kind of turned into Anglo Texans. And it's basically, you kind of see it now and you look at gentrification, you know, slow migration of people that are kind of sort of testing the waters to see how far they can go in to yeah, without, get stuff no. without getting a pushback. Yeah. And eventually, yeah, eventually in the like 18, the early 1820s, I think that's when the Mexican government couldn't push back all of the migration. Uh, Anglo Texans outnumbered Mexican Texans 
by I think 10 to one. Wow. Yeah, it grew pretty quick. And then that eventually caused people from DF, um, from Mexico City to uh, have to go and try to uh, get, kind of implement these laws, hmm. try to um, enforce them. Try to control it. A lot of those people that came to that part of Texas wanted to assimilate into the United States. Right. But Mexico and America had a treaty where it's like, hey, you know, you don't mess with me. It was part of their their, yeah. their deal, right? No war, no nothing like that. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what led to war where you have Texans that want to be free. They don't want to be part of Mexico. They don't want to be part of, uh, they don't want to take in Catholicism. They don't mm -hmm. want to take in the Mexican laws. They want to be their own, right? right. And essentially that's where Santa Ana comes up with his army. Uh, they have an issue at the Alamo. That's where the Alamo comes into play. They take over the Alamo, uh, and then they go on to, to battle in San Jacinto, which is not too far. That's where a lot of Texans kind of got fired up, and the idea of remembering the Alamo yeah. was like, wait, no, we don't want these people to take over our, <laughs> our land. Yeah. And, you know. The irony of all that is that these people came and were immigrants at one point. Yes. Exactly. So it's just ignorance, really. It's ignorance. Like, mm -hmm. you can't incriminate people that were like your family, too. Yeah. Like, you know. It doesn't make sense. Like, you just don't remember it. We do because we're, we're first generation. Well, I'm first generation. Mm -hmm. So, like, I see that struggle. Yeah. Like, I lived through that struggle. You know, yeah. my parents were Mexican immigrants. On the grind. Like, trying, yeah, to, trying to make trying it. Trying to make it here. And it's hard to make it here. Yeah. And for someone that has a middle school education to leave their home into this foreign country and have to make it, it takes a lot of hard work. Yeah. Kudos to your parents. Yeah. For real. That's hard, man. That's it's, a grind. It's, I mean, you think about, you talk about tough. <laughs> oh, that's the definition, man. That's, to make it in this yeah. world like that. They say, what's the American, what's the American dream? Like, you know, anyone can make it. Yeah, but I mean, it's not saying it's still not hard. You know, it's still, everything goes up and a lot of people's salaries don't really go up. No, man. No. And if they do, very little. Yes. So. Kind of get stuck, almost greenwashed in a sense. Man, so. I, I like to It's call a it. struggle. Like, look, me, I was born here. I went to school. Yeah. I was fortunate enough uh -huh. to go to school, to go to grad school. Mm -hmm. And it's still hard for me. I mean, it's still hard to find a job, even with a, any degree. But just I still you, have to make it too. Yeah. You know, it's still hard. But just because you have the degree doesn't mean you have to like get in it like that. Right? No. Like, There's different ways to get in it. There's all this debt, you know, too. I mean, a lot of people. There's a lot of people yeah. that there aren't any jobs for, you know. And you don't have to go to school to get debt. No. No, man. School definitely, I mean, it, it, it's helped. It's helped me, I think. Where, is, where do you want to go with it now? Like, is this where you thought you would go with your degree or... I, I mean, my degree is always going to be there. Yeah. Like, as far as my, my education, my abilities, yeah. what I learned is never going to go away. Yeah. I mean, for me right now, I think definitely DJing. And it's funny because I started DJing or collecting records and going on 11 years yeah. ago. Damn. When I moved to San Francisco because I didn't know anyone. Yeah. So I bought turntables and I was like, well, fuck. Damn. I'm going to buy music anyway, so I might as well just own the physical copy. I just started collecting music. I, want, I like the idea of having a library of just wall to wall, just like, instead of books, it's the same thing. They're, it's just music, you know? It's no different than books. It's got, um, it's got history, it's got knowledge, it's yeah. got uh, everything. <laughs> I've never, yeah, it's got words. <laughs> I've never equated that. That's amazing. 
now that I kind of like have leaned more toward that. I have these opportunities to play music at places yeah. and get paid. Yeah. And that's a plus for yeah. me. And I've definitely spent a lot of time and energy there. It's kind of pulled me that way and it keeps pulling me that way yeah. because I constantly have these events or gigs that I, you know, I'll play. Yeah. And I like to prepare for those. But I definitely, the plan is kind of find a balance between yeah. that and creating like artwork or drawings and, and paintings. So I've got to find that, that balance. That's, I've kind of have struggled a little bit with that. I've made things when I've had to or when I have ideas that, that I want to kind of like just. But it almost seems like you're indulging in being a DJ, in mm -hmm. collecting vinyl, in sharing it. Because that's what you love right now. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's kind of what this thing that you kind of just fall into and you just dig in yeah, man. deeper into, like, you just, you're still learning. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, it takes years to be, like, and it's challenging and, and, and it's fun and it's, you know, it, it's expressive in a way. Um, but definitely drawing is... It has always been there for me. So anytime I go to it, like, it's something that I know. Like, yeah. it's never gone away. Yeah. You know, it's something that was with me since I was a little kid. Yeah. Like, I always drew. Yeah. Like, that was my thing my whole life. Mm -hmm. I was told that I was a good drawer, so I just kept doing it. Cool. You're nurtured. You're yeah. Kind of nurtured. Yeah. I was always told, like, oh, yeah, you should keep drawing, draw, draw, draw. And I did my whole life. And, you know, when you're young and you're doing it, and people tell you, oh, like, you know, you should keep doing it. Yeah. You're really good. Keep then you going. just keep going. With yeah. it, you know, you are in the things that were there before you even existed. Right. But then you also have people that created that or, or curated that or, you know, were there when it happened mm -hmm. that are critical of a younger generation even messing with it. Yeah, I think um, I'm kind of like in between okay. like that. How do you respect the tradition, but progress it? That's the, that's, that's the art. That's the hard part. That's the finding the creative ways to kind of make that work or happen. Like you have to find, any idea has to be resolved or executed and, and, and finding the way to kind of get from point A to point B, like that in between that's where the art, the creative mind, the problem solving mm -hmm. comes into play. So being making a drawing, being making a sculpture, being mixing two records, yeah. like it's that kind of gray area where the magic or the ideas happen, you know. That's the thing about art. It's like trying to take, you know, like you said, like traditional into and making it modern. Mm -hmm. Like that's the challenge. Yeah. And that, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. The answer to that really is just kind of like, or maybe you don't know the verbiage, or maybe you know the creative aspect. Yeah, like I would actually... have to have an idea or something that I'm interested in, and knowing that I was gonna kind of transform that idea into something either physical or in other different formats. Yeah. It it all depends. Do you find that a like to be a responsibility? Mm, that you have? No, because it's not a responsibility. Because a lot of those things. Well, like, because you can piss off the original, like, the people that were there making that, but then you can also... You want to do it in a, in a way where it's obviously not stepping on anyone's toes or, like... I mean, it could be 
anything really like yeah you play you you record a mix you upload it on the soundcloud like are there copyright infringements there i mean i own the actual physical music i paid for it and i'm kind of utilizing in almost like a performance mm -hmm. you know because otherwise that song would be just that song right right it's not with a group or a collection of others you know it's more of a it's a bigger picture i think than just being one single three minute yeah kind of thing like you can't have pink without red and white you awesome. know what i mean yeah. like it, you need more and that's the thing about art it's like you make something and people see it and they have their own interpretation and that's the other aspect of art that's kind of magic because you don't know they, they could think of something that you never thought of all right last question but you have to answer this in one word do you know where coco rodriguez is i don't know i don't know Last I heard, he was in Mexico, back home, but I don't know. He could be dead, I don't know. So the answer is no. I don't know. Thanks for that. I appreciate <laughs> the time, Doc. I don't know all of this. I hope he comes back. <laughs>